Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Forma, a new podcast featuring conversations with authors, teachers, creators, and community leaders who are carefully contemplating the nature and practice of classical education, aesthetic wonder, and Christian community. I'm David Kern. 20 years ago, Lee Bortons was a brand new mom. An aerospace engineer, having recently graduated from the University of Michigan, she had the drive and the degree to become very successful. So she and her husband, Rob, both accepted lucrative positions with Boeing in Seattle. But the young couple decided they wanted something more than corporate daycare for their young son. So as soon as her initial contract was up, Lee resigned from Boeing to stay home and care for her son. As they say, the rest is history. What I just read is from classicalconversations.com. Lee Bortons is the founder of Classical Conversations, which is now celebrating its 20th anniversary. When Classical Conversations began in Lee Borton's home, as she describes in the interview you're about to hear, she had 11 students. Today, Classical Conversations serves over 104,000 students. They serve over 40,000 families in 2,500 communities. They offer curriculum and additional services for homeschooling families, including an online bookstore, practicum training for parents, standardized testing services, test prep classes, academic transcript services, academic counseling services, college credit through the CC program, and national academic competitions in memorization and math. And today, Classical Conversations is one of the most important and influential organizations in the classical education movement. On Wednesday, October 18th, CC is going to be celebrating their 20th anniversary with a nationwide party. You can learn more about this party at eventbrite.com slash classical conversations. But whether you're in North Carolina, Carolina, where CC is based, or whether you're in Washington State, there is a party for you. All of the speakers at the party are going to be simulcast. You'll be able to participate in giveaways and all kinds of other great activities. So head over to classicalconversations.com or again, eventbrite.com slash classicalconversations to learn more. Of course, if you want to learn more about Classical Conversations, you can head over to classicalconversations.com to find a community near you to learn more about Classical Conversations, Classical Uh, programs or their uh, Christian philosophy, or to find CC Connected, where you can find events, resources, and other materials. Lee and the crew over at Classical Conversations, including the current CEO, Robert, have been good friends of ours for a long time. We are very honored to be partnering with them. So it seemed only right to have Lee come on the show to describe CC's origins and uh, her goals for the future. Uh, I began by asking her how she first discovered classical education, and this is what she said. So we didn't come across until our eldest, Robert, was around 12. And like many homeschooling families, you start to get a little nervous about what high school is going to look at, look yeah, like. And yeah. so my um, husband and I, uh, we visited some private schools, and we started reading some books on classical education. Uh, a few of them were coming out at that point. I'm talking 20-plus um, years ago now. 
Uh, but Doug Wilson had started uh, writing books on classical education for schools, and The Well-Trained Mind for Homeschoolers was coming out in that time period. Hmm. So we looked into those and uh, you know, just kind of examined our resources and realized that the classical model was really what we wanted, but mm-hmm. that it was not truly being offered in the local schools for high school. Hmm. And we really were committed to homeschooling. We were just trying to, you know, almost get affirmation for our choices as well as hmm. more information. And my husband basically said to me one day after, you know, we'd just done a lot of looking around uh, over the course of a summer and some headmasters have spoken with Robert about potentially going to school there. Um, my husband just kind of looked at me and said, I think you should just have students in once a week and work with them yourself through high school because the part of the classical education that, um, you know, that's so important at the high school level in particular is to have dialectic and rhetorical opportunities. And you can have them at home. Maybe we didn't have as big enough family or something, but I know my boys wanted to also be able to do Shakespeare plays with other people and science experiments and research like that with with other students, not just always with mom and the siblings. And so we began putting the program together and um, the rest is history. So how many students did you start with at the beginning? Uh, 11. 11 students. My basement. (laughs) Yep. And I was pregnant with our, um, with, let me, I always forget it's been so long ago. We had a little baby, William, and I was pregnant with David. So a girlfriend whose son was in the program was also there. And she helped round up the little ones while Hmm. I did most of the instruction. Well, it sounds kind of exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, role of a parent. Is to be <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, um, so, so as you were, you, so you discovered classical education, how did you pursue your own education in what classical education is? I imagine that, you know, your training is in, um, aer- you were an aerospace engineer, is that right? Yes. So, um, that's I- true. And go ahead. Oh, no, so so for for folks that don't know what that means, um, it's really the more important part was the engineering background in that it trained me to think very orderly and very Mm. organized and in systems, and it helped Mm. really form an efficient character, you know, within me. Mm. And so um, a lot of people think, you know, engineering is about the science and the math, and I would say most engineers will tell you that, no, that's just a side benefit. It's this ability to kind of see the world in an organized way. Mm. And so even though I wasn't intentionally recognizing at that point that aerospace engineering was helping me be a homeschooling parent, Mm. in hindsight, what it did for me was help me to organize the business model Mm. that we, you know, work in. Um, And so that was the benefit of my academic education more than, like, for instance, I don't know, it was probably 39 before I could have told you the difference between why we should say should have with apostrophe V-E or should of. I mean, my education was as poor as everybody else's Mm. as far as content. Um, But, you know, that academic rigor in university, I can't say that that wasn't also beneficial in helping me look through what the classical model is. Yeah. So, you know, you anticipated one of my questions, actually, because I was going to ask you how the the studies in aerospace engineering helped you with your business and, and helped you understand classical education. Did you find yeah. did you find that what was going on in classical education was surprising or um, 
really different in a, in a way that excited you? That, because obviously you made a big leap to, to, to teach all, all these other students and take on that extra exhaustion. It wasn't just your own. It was other students as well. And then <laughs> yeah, eventually yeah. that led to starting a business. And that's a whole, that's an entirely you know, other kind of exhaustion. So was there something yeah. that was just about classical education in particular that was just motivating and inspiring and exciting you to, to do all that, put all that effort in? It's kind of like when I first became a Christian, I did that through uh, the Institute for Creation Research. Friends just kept homeschooling hmm. friends, and I wasn't a homeschooler at that point, kept pointing me towards that institution. And whether you agree or disagree with Ken Ham's worldview on creation, the one thing as an engineer and attending those events that made me angry was that I'd not heard these arguments before. Hmm. And I recognized the deficit in my education and how one-sided it had been. So the same thing happened when I started going through classical studies. I started to get angry hmm. that such simple, basic ideas about how anybody anywhere could be educated with the most efficiency and the least expense. I just opened my eyes to kind of the waste that modern education has handed us, hmm. and it made me want to change and do different things. And so, yeah. yes, it very much motivated me. So, in the, that first kind of decade of having children, when I became, when we all became new Christians, we were really passionate about trying to understand how you serve the Lord and how His world glorifies Him. And then we were it, that just so easily morphed into okay. We, Right. We've got to get the dialectic and the interpretation and the questions. They've got to be better than what we've been handed. Mm. And then the rhetoric follows that with, um, okay, now you have this information. How do you share it with other people? How do you become leaders and world changers for God's glory? Mm. And so it was just a natural fit for all that the Lord had been leading me through, you know, even the 10 years before we did it, mm. that, you know, classical education. You, you mentioned something, um, perhaps it was a little offhand, but you mentioned that it, as you were learning about classical education, it, it seemed like something that anybody anywhere could, could, could learn through, like a method that anybody could learn through. Was that, was that a motivating factor in, in the development of CC and the way you were thinking about the company? Because sometimes people think about classical education as, you know, for the elite or whatever. Um, but it, but it, it seems like you guys are pursuing something that it's, it's for anybody anywhere, and you know, no matter the economic demographic or the race or or anything like that that classical education can be can can um, challenge and enrich a student's life no matter where they come from right so if you think classical education is about latin literature and logic i feel like you're looking at an educational paradigm when you're describing it but if you look at classical education as the seven liberal arts the humanities the things that make you free mm. i'm pretty sure christ would look at you and say be free indeed and these are some of the tools that will help you get there. Hmm. And so that was how I looked at it. And so we've always emphasized the arts over the content. So, of course, you must have good content. Hmm. But the art is the more important part. And so, you know, homeschooling recaptures two generations in a lot of ways because the parents right there with their child relearning a subject. But what the classical model did was not only show us that the content can get relearned, but the whole art of learning is something that you can teach um, to someone who's paying attention. Sometimes your children aren't quite mature enough to capture what you're doing, but if you just keep at it, they will grow up. 
then they will one day go, oh, that's why my mom made me do all that memory work. <laughs> or that's why my dad made me give him, you know, reports on various science projects. They knew intuitively that these were the kind of things that would make it so I could learn anything anywhere. And that, I think, is what the uh, whole idea of education um, from a Christian perspective should be about. The thing that you know, I share with parents is that if your method and and mission and model of education isn't replicable by a woman in India whose husband's died in a mining accident and she has 10 children to raise in their Christian walk. If we can't identify with her, we're probably doing something as rich Americans and not truly as Christian mothers and fathers. Hmm. Do you think that the current state of classical education in the United States um, fully understands that or fully um, embodies that idea that you're speaking to there? Or do you think it's missing that still? I have no idea. <laughs> That's a fair answer. I probably know the answer. But, um, you know, because there's a little bit of a clash and anytime something is being restored or recovered as to the use of definitions. Mm. And I can um, probably agree with people who disagree with me that they have perfectly legitimate definitions of some of the words I would use. Mm. But I really am trying to be a popularizer to bring it back to the masses, back to humanity, to show them they're not cogs in an educational wheel, but they're people worth dying for. And they're people worth, you, you know, use the word exhausting at first. Mm. And you, a few times, and that's something I've been really, um, I, you know, as I've gotten older, have really actually appreciated that word. Everybody wants things to be free and easy, and you know, so um, and it takes hard work to be a parent. It is suffering. It is laying down your life. It is exhausting. The peace doesn't come in your activity. The peace comes in the understanding and the presence of Christ and his support for all that you are doing. Mm. And so this whole idea that the, that classical education is elite and I can't do it and some master teacher somewhere has to do that, I think that makes us less human. I think that if you look at some of the, there's a professor at St. John's College who says the point of classical education is to ensure that you're never excluded from any form of human endeavor. I think that is a great summation of one of the many goals of true Christian classical education. And the content, you know, it could be Korean or Hebrew. It doesn't have to be Latin. It's the arts. And it's the skills you get from studying that language that are just as important. Now, is it sensible to study Latin as English-speaking people? Of course. Mm. That would be one of my first choices along with Greek and maybe German. Mm. But, you know, Latin's a good mother tongue supporter, so yeah. that's a good one to go for. But I don't confuse Latin with humanity and its need to be free. Mm. When, you've, um, when you've been working with... Uh, homeschool parents and and over the years you know you, it's 20 years now you've been doing this for 20 years and you've been trying to speak to families and parents and communities and i imagine that part of part of the part of the deal is just convincing them that this is the right approach do you do you find that there is generally speaking it takes a lot of um convincing to to convince uh, these moms and dads to to participate in this sort of approach to education, um, or are people so fed up with what's going on that it's pretty easy sell. Um, it's a mix. There's um, you know, people do get fed up, and then it's like they're looking just for something 
that works better. Yeah. And they won't be with us long if they don't embrace and try to understand the Christian classical method of mm. education, mm. Um, right? They'll go find the next easy thing or the next thing that just seems to fix their family. Yeah. So, so it can be easy at first. It can be hard to stay in. And, you know, people sometimes jokingly said we're like a cult. And I'm like, well, then we're the first cult that actually drives people out because, <laughs> you know, we try to say, no, this is what you need to do. We're not going to lower our standards or Christians. We rise above our natures. We don't succumb to them. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard message to hear. We get tired. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so this is why the church was invented, and we need to help one another. And we feel like this is why educational community, as well as even neighborhoods, this is to be helping your neighbor yeah. and loving on them yeah. and encouraging them, not saying, oh, you can't do that. Mm. <laughs> Which is kind of, that's our biggest hurdle, is people just think they can't raise their children. You know, you use the word, um, well, it, well it, use the word community, but it seems like since yeah. the beginning of CC, uh, community has been a central part of it. I, I love how on the CC website it describes how when you were first getting the company started, or maybe it wasn't the very beginning, but you you submitted your business plan with the help of family and friends into a, a, an area competition for new businesses, and that you, you were surprised that Classical Conversations won. So it seems like uh, from the very beginning, it's been, it's not been about, you also use the word cult, it's not been about the cult of Lee Bortons, but it's been been truly about this sense of community and doing it together. How have you been able to uh, cultivate that? It seems like it's been active, something that you've pursued really actively. And has that been, um, has that been easy for you to do, um, to, to, to enhance and cultivate and nourish that sense of community? Um. I'm not sure it's been easy as much as it's been necessary. You know, Mm. when you love your children, you'll do all kinds of things you probably wouldn't have done otherwise. And in the process of developing the community, which we always had a good homeschooling community, even before Classical Conversations, that was never a real issue for us as far as just a supportive community in general. It was, where's my supportive community that's going to help me with Latin? Because I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Where's my community that's going to help me with logic? So it was a different kind of definition of community. I've always always been in good churches with a good Christian community for our spiritual life. Um, and, you know, and just as maybe as a side thing, it's sad to me that I think of my church as my spiritual life and maybe classical conversations or the homeschooling co-op as my academic life. That duality shouldn't occur, but it is the world that we live in right now, and I am continue to, you know, try to bring those two together. And that's why I appreciate all the pastors who are involved in um, working with us because they see how that um, academics are a major part of Christian education, especially in Western culture, where you think of the monasteries and their preservation of God's Word and the uh, early years of Harvard and Princeton that, you know, of course a pastor knew Latin and Hebrew and Greek. Of course a pastor knew something about biology and science because they were farmers, too. You know, there was this integrated learning and academic were appreciated as just very pragmatic for life, and now they're only practical if you can see what career you're going to have in them. So there's just been this loss of Christian classical, or Christian, let's say Christian and academics being integrated, and that as a community has been um, really important to me, that we have always been partnering with churches 
and looking for pastors to help with the tutoring um, and just trying to involve the church as much as we can within our homeschooling communities. And they've been very responsive, and we're especially with this 20th anniversary, we couldn't have done it without them. And it's been really wonderful to see the church rise and work together like this. So you... <laughs> In 2000, as of 2008, you had 9,500 students and over 400 directors, and these I'm quoting these stats from your website. And then in 2011, uh-huh. just three years later, you're up to 38,000 uh, with communities in 45 states and even a few foreign countries. Um, as of, well, as of the date that this was published on your website, you had 104,000 students with 40,000 families in 2,500 communities um, in all 50 states and the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico and four, and 15 foreign countries. So that's pretty good growth there. Do you, what do you, what are your long-term goals? What, what do you hope to see CCB, CCCB in, uh, in, 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 in another 20 years? So, um, in 20 years, I don't know that we'll be much different than we are now. Maybe just bigger in some other countries. Um, okay. What I hope for the longer term, though, is um, somebody like the Institute for Creation Research, who brought back, after so many decades of Darwinism, these other kind of questions and Hmm. helped keep in the Christian culture. There's other ways of looking at this, guys. Hmm. Um, I hope that as political turmoil that we're going through worldwide, um, uh, this kind of animosity that's characterizing our country right now, that maybe in 20, 50 years, people will look back and say, you know who kept the communities together and reminded us what Christian education really looked like? Classical conversations. Hmm. Those mothers and fathers hung in when it was so much easier not to. Hmm. Hmm. I've got a couple questions here. That's kind of lofty. Yeah, well, I've got a couple questions that I guess are—I don't want to say that they're on the practical side, but they're just some quick advice questions. Um, sure. So one of them is just—I'm—I have three young kids, so I'm—you know—I'm thirty. I've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a and a one-year-old. And one of the wow, things I, I've been thinking a lot about is what is my role as a dad of a young family with all right now? I have all boys. Um, but what advice do you have for dads in terms of participating um, in the homeschooling in their in their families and participating in the CC communities? One thing I've really appreciated is how many dads it seems like do teach something in a CC community or at least are involved. And um, I, I, you know, you don't see that everywhere in every homeschooling com- sort of community. So, what advice do you have for dads like me or other people that are listening out there? Um, for the dads to know how to participate. Yeah. Okay, so before I say the dads, let me say something to the mothers who are listening. Okay. Sometimes, because of your husband's job and the role that the Lord's given him for his life and your family, the greatest thing that you can do is every morning when he leaves for work, say, I am so sorry you are leaving, but thank you so much for doing this for our family. And to remember that he's not abandoning you because it's the easier thing to do but because he is trying hard to take care financially of your family, and he's trusting then you at home to help with the day-to-day practical things so that in the evenings when he's back, you can be a family um, again. Not every dad is going to have it within his resources as he's providing for his family to be there all day long. Mm -hmm. Now, other hand, we are now in this kind of global technological economy. We're not a farm economy where dad was there all the time. Yeah. 
there are more, more men able to stay home or have flex jobs or, you know, be more involved. And I think generationally men are looking, they're asking this question. I don't think my dad asked my mom this question, but, hmm. you know, two generations later, it's pretty prevalent. And so what I would say then to the dad is first to um, make sure that no matter what your wife and kids are doing, that your children, you're always in the room. So in other words, if you are the one that has to go to work or you're only around part-time during the day, that the kids just have to look, I mean, the mom just has to look at kids when they're acting up and say, do I need to call your dad? And they get in line again. Your wife needs your authority, especially with three boys. I had four. That was so important in our family that my husband was always behind me when he wasn't there. So then when it comes to the academic side or the actual homeschooling side, you know, it's going to be just like the homeschooling moms. It's going to be personality-driven. You're going to have your dads that love games and crafts and activities, and yeah. you're going to have your dads that want to go ahead and drill math. So whatever the father can find that he thinks is how he can lead best, I mean, just I encourage that. I don't think there is a single answer for dads. Um, you guys all have different personalities, too. And yeah. so, you know, one of the things about classical conversations, why we have men involved is I think um, a lot of the men that I talk to say, like, there's three different things. One, you're holding my kids accountable to a solid Christian, highly academic education, and I want that. So I'm not seeing it anywhere, so I'll give up a little bit. I'll take the day off. I'll make sure my wife's there with the foundation kids, you know, whatever it mm -hmm. happens to be. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So we love that about them. The other one is people, the fathers that are maybe more hands-off but love their family and say, my wife was having a hard time. She needed friends and accountability, and you gave that to her. Hmm. So encouraging, instead of saying, we'll just put them in school, if the dads would say, honey, I'm going to help you in whatever A, B, or C is. But remember, you're, you need friends, too. And um, whether it's CC or a homeschool co-op or just a mom's night out, get her there. Right? But it doesn't have to be something where it's all or nothing. It's, you know, something that's regular, but it's a time for her to get rejuvenated. So for those of us who enjoy classical homeschooling, it is rejuvenating to go once a week. It's like a big PTA meeting in our programs. And here, what are you doing and how are you doing it? And so the dads that just make sure that the tuitions are paid and the, the wife is finding friends and then doing what he can with academics. I just told you a whole lot of stuff to do. That's a lot for anybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to take a, I'm going to have to go back and listen and write notes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things you can do. Yeah, yeah. But the main thing is just to, I mean, I think the main thing for homeschooling dads is to recognize that the world's going to do everything it can to make sure you don't do this. And hmm. recognize when that's happening and do your best to help your whole family pray through it and um, continue being the whole family that you envision them to be. Hmm. Well, we're almost out of time, so I want to ask you um, two questions related to your anniversary here. You've, you have a... You have a you have a party coming up on October 18th, and it's pretty much nationwide. Is that correct? Yes, we have 10 locations around the country, and we're um, simulcasting it through the Internet. So there's going to be a kind of home-based party in Albemarle, North Carolina. Is that correct? Near, so, Sort of near where yes. your headquarters are? Yes. And, and then nine other locations where people can go and participate and celebrate and see all the speakers through simulcast. Where can people learn? Yeah, if you go Go ahead. Go ahead. I 
would say if you go to if you go to either through Classical Conversations 20th anniversary, Google that, or Eventbrite Classical Conversations, there's the place to register and get the data and the address of everything that's going on. Is there anything that you need us to know about this party that we need to share with all of our friends? Um, the majority of them are a Great Wolf Lodge. And so you can actually go a day or two early or stay longer, and there'll be a lot of homeschoolers oh. at the lodges. Okay. And so it's a, it's a time for you know, your children and you to have fun together. And then Wednesday evenings, the actual simulcast party, uh, just put on uh, a bathrobe or a suit, tie, whichever you prefer, <laughs> and uh, attend the actual events that we're having with the simulcast. Um and you need to, you know, because of the hotel situation, I'd say get on it right away. But I think there's pretty much room everywhere that we are um, located. Okay. And then it's from California, Boston, the Ball of America. That one's oh, not wow. Great Wolf Lodge. There's a few. There's a few that aren't, but there's activities and carnivals and speakers at all the events. So if people go to eventbrite.com/slash/classical-conversations or go to your website, they can find out all the information on registering and all that. Right, and it's. And it's at this point, I think it's thirty dollars a family, and it's okay. mostly because we're going to have a lot of prizes for you, and a lot of materials to give away, and we want the head count to be pretty accurate, so no one is shortchanged. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's my last question, and this again, this is another future-oriented question. But are there any projects that you are working on right now that you're just excited about that you want to share, or anything that people should be on the lookout for uh, future CC? activities or projects or anything that's going on? Um, the one that comes to mind first is uh, our international growth. Is We're putting a lot of time and effort to that. Um, and I just really appreciate the fact that we even have that because if it wasn't for our military families, our missionaries, and the folks that just like to travel and plant churches, we wouldn't have grown internationally. And so for me, um, you know, tw this 20th anniversary party just makes me reflect on how little I have done and how much the Lord and his body, the whole body of Christ has worked together to bring freedom to families and to just restore classical education while we're recovering the family as the, you know, the main element of society as well as our churches. Mm. So it's very gratifying and um, it's so easy to get things going in other countries. They are hungry for freedom and we have it to offer them. Mm. Is there a place that people can, who are listening can go to learn more about the overseas, the international work of CC or find you know, information on what they can pray for or how they can participate? Yeah, we actually have a leadership team for that. And so, again, Classical Conversations International should um, you know, pull up the pages. Okay, okay, great. Well, Mrs. Bortons, thanks so much for participating in this interview. We're so honored to be able to to be able to work with CC and to be able to be friends with you guys. And we are excited about the party on, on the 18th. Um, it's pretty pretty exciting to see that you know all the success that you guys have had and the way that you have helped classical con uh, helped classical education grow through the work of classical conversations and um, I don't know it's as people who are also working in classical education it's just really uh, rewarding and exciting to be able to work with with organizations and people like you so thanks so much for for all your work and for uh, coming on the show today. Well, I thank you and your dad, Cersei, the SEL. I mean, definitely we couldn't do it without just this whole movement God has given us to, um, to, to really change education and to just to make it something that we really cherish. And mm. I appreciate your all's efforts, too. Mm. Thank you, David. Thank you.
Well, that was Lee Bortons from Classical Conversations, and thanks so much to her for joining us. I hope that you have an appreciation uh, for all that she's accomplished. Um, they're doing a really great work over at CC, and again, as I said at the beginning in the open, we are really excited and just proud to be able to to work with them and partner with them. If you are interested in that party, uh, the 20th anniversary party, don't forget you can head over to classicalconversations.com or eventbrite.com slash classicalconversations. And CC has many other resources for you, so again, whether you're looking for a community uh, to join or um, other classical conversations-based uh, classical education, Uh, resources, head over to classicalconversations.com. They've got lots of articles, blog posts, podcasts, uh, videos, uh, a bookstore, and all kinds of other things as well. So that's, again, that's classicalconversations.com. And of course, thanks so much to you for listening. Uh, It's a real pleasure to be able to share these conversations with you every week. We have lots of great content coming here on the Cersei Institute Podcast Network, including season two of The Commons, Brian Phillips Show, in which he's going to be exploring 10 key figures in church history from John Chrysostom to the Puritans. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure you've subscribed to the Cersei Institute Podcast Network feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get podcasts. And of course, be on the lookout for the link to subscribe to that show by itself in the next week or so. And with that, I'll sign off. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Forma on the Cersei Institute Podcast Network. I'm David Kern, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.